You're listening to A Day in the Life podcast, brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. Today, we are talking to Jack Aiello, a 26-year multiple myeloma survivor, father of three, and grandfather of four. Jack is also an active facilitator of the Multiple Myeloma Support Group of the San Francisco Bay Area, a patient advocate, and has served on many myeloma committees that focus on developing clinical trials, including for the National Cancer Institute, Swag Cancer Research Institute, BMT Clinical Trials Network, and Stanford Scientific Review Committee. Jack is really an extraordinary patient, and we've invited him on today to learn a little bit more about what makes him tick. To start, Jack, for our listeners, could you tell us what it was like for you when you were first diagnosed with myeloma in 1995, and what kind of information was available to patients at that time? Hi, Pat. No, thanks for the invitation. It's interesting to think back to 1995 when I was diagnosed because the world of myeloma was certainly different then. The information that was available to patients was certainly limited. The IMF, International Myeloma Foundation, existed, and they had a website, but it had limited PDF. I uh, did attend a patient and family seminar late 95 or 96, and that was pretty enlightening, that's for sure, just to see uh, 150 uh, myeloma patients existing in the Bay Area that I had no idea. But even before then, when I was diagnosed in 95 and I had to go into a hospital and get a chemo infusion, a social worker walked into my hospital room and told me about actually a Leukemia Lymphoma Society support group in the hospital that night. I dragged my IV pole to that meeting, and I met my first myeloma patient. And that was actually one of the most important introductions for me personally. I got to see someone living and breathing with the same disease that I had. But he also introduced me to the San Francisco Bay Area Myeloma Support Group that actually had started shortly after the IMF did. The support group locally started back in 91. And I attended that meeting and it was really important, again, to see a group of myeloma patients there asking questions, discussing treatments. Of course, treatments back then were very limited. You essentially had two treatment arms. One was called pregnisone and melphalan, which were just pills. Or if you were in better shape, you would strive to get a transplant. We didn't have any myeloma specialist, near as I could figure, out in the Bay Area, even though I live close to Stanford and went up to interview them regarding their myeloma treatment. But I found through our support group, specialists located in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I went there. So as you can tell, it was a much different world back then than it is today. Exactly. And I'm sure as in support groups and how active you are in the myeloma community, you encounter lots of newly diagnosed patients. As a long-term survivor, what are some words of wisdom that you would have for someone who was newly diagnosed with myeloma? The most important advice I can give is to get educated about myeloma because it's always changing. The treatments seem to be coming fast and even the understanding of myeloma is increasing. And you can get educated by a number of different means. You can get second opinions from myeloma expert doctors. There are support groups. There are webinars to learn more about myeloma. I think there are webinars out there once a week. You can attend a live webinar or you can go to the replay. And when we get back to being able to visit with each other, you'll find seminars there. There are websites full of information, like the IMF website, which has video recordings and publications that can be downloaded and such. The patient, the myeloma patient, can get educated to learn more about your own myeloma markers, and you can learn to follow your own lab results 
and find out for yourself how well treatments are working for you and are your myeloma markers responding. I think it's important that patients learn the names and dosages of the drugs you're getting and become familiar with questions that you should be asking your doctor. So I think it all boils down to however best you are able to educate yourself Get educated about your myeloma. You're somebody who's familiar with many different types of treatment. I've read a little bit about your journey, and you have gone through stem cell transplant, clinical trials, and what brought you into long-term remission, I understand, was an allogeneic stem cell transplant, or rather a transplant using a donor's stem cells. A lot of people may not be familiar with this type of transplant. How would you briefly explain allogeneic transplants and their potential benefits? So we have to first make sure you understand what the colitis transplant is. It begins with a high dose of chemotherapy to kill as much of your myeloma as possible, and then uses your own stem cells, which were previously harvested, to give back to you in order to rebuild your immune system that that high dose of chemotherapy has also killed. However, usually, it may be several years down the road, your myeloma comes back because ultimately it's that same immune system that you've gotten back through that transplant that allowed the myeloma to grow in the first place. An allogeneic transplant starts with the same high dose of chemotherapy given to you. But instead of getting your own stem cells back, you get that stem cells from someone else who's hopefully a fully compatible donor. And that ends up rebuilding a different immune system in you as the patient, which is hopefully more effective at killing any residual myeloma left from that initial chemotherapy. So then why doesn't every patient do an allo transplant? Well, allo transplants are used for other types of blood cancers. But for myeloma, even today, the mortality rate from a full allo transplant is about 40%. Plus, there are issues, which I had also, called graft-versus-host disease. And it's a difficult procedure to go through. And given that we have so many more treatments today than we did back when it was the only treatment left for me, you won't find allotransplants being done very much for myeloma today. I think that's going to be really interesting and informative to a lot of people who are just learning about the different treatments out there and just kind of the history of where myeloma was as far as treatments and where it is now. I just wanted to change gears a little bit. The IMF is incredibly grateful to you for all you do. There are just so many ways you're involved with us and support us. And I'll start with what you mentioned earlier, the Multiple Myeloma Support Group of the San Francisco Bay Area. How long have you been involved with this support group? Well, I went to that group first in 1995 when I was initially diagnosed. I was lucky to have found out about it, and that group had a big impact on my subsequent treatment decisions and such. And once I went through my initial treatment, and I was pretty heavily treated for the first seven years or so of my diagnosis, I uh, knew enough about myeloma by then, and I offered to help facilitate the group. We were expanding to another city. So I've been facilitating our myeloma support group now probably for the last 18 years. And what would you say to patients who maybe come to the support group who are a little reluctant to participate or people who are just reluctant to even join a support group who have myeloma? What would you say to those patients as a reason to be part of it? You know, it's funny. The first time a person told me about and suggested that I go to that leukemia and Lymphoma Society support group, I said to her, I didn't want to. And in my head, I was thinking, I don't really want to go to any kind of touchy-feely group. That's just not for me. So I can understand that kind of reaction to a patient maybe not wanting to go to a uh, support group. I can also understand the reaction of patients not really wanting to learn any more or hear any more about their disease than is necessary. 
The interesting thing today, we've been doing virtual meetings now for almost a year. It's pretty easy to attend a support group and still stay very shy about it all. You can turn off your camera and not ask any questions, and you can just listen. On the other hand, experimentation in that meeting just want to help because we all remember what it felt like when we were told we had a cancer with a name called myeloma that we had never heard of. I can remember at my first myeloma support group meeting, folks asking me things like, do you have IgG or IgA? Do you have Kappa or Lambda? And I uh, had no idea what they were talking about. And they were rattling off some names of medicines, all which had two names each, a generic name and a brand name. And it was pretty overwhelming. But you can trust me that if you hear this often enough, you will learn and you'll feel a little bit more comfortable asking questions. And I think it can be awfully important and you can get an awful lot out of attending a support group. Another way that you've been a great asset to the IMF is that you're also active with our member fundraiser program. You've done letter writing campaigns as well as for several years, the Texas Hold'em poker tournaments. Can you talk a little bit more about these campaigns, what drives you to do them and what they're like? I think uh, there are lots of types of advocacy that patients can do. I talked about support groups as a way of really giving back to patients one-on-one or one in a group. There are public policy advocacy work that's being done by many patients. As was mentioned earlier in the introduction, I'm involved in research advocacy, helping critique clinical trials. But another form of advocacy is called fundraising. It is fairly easy to raise dollars for research and education, which is so important to improve myeloma, make more treatments available, and help patients better understand the disease. You mentioned the poker fundraiser. That was always a fun event for me. I haven't done it for about four years because I don't walk too well anymore. That required me to kind of kibitz and get around to different tables. But this was a Texas Hold'em event, and I would have 30 to 35 people at my house and three large tables of players, and we would feed them dinner and have drinks, and then we'd play two hours of Texas Hold'em, which is an easy thing to do for a large group of people. There would be a buy-in of typically $75, all of which would go to, in this case, the International Myeloma Foundation. It was fun. I would have people here after year if I were late in sending out invitations asking me if I was going to hold the event again and what was the date so they could put it on their calendar. And we would typically raise around $5,000 for a one-night event. It was just an enjoyable thing to do. Every year for the past 15 or 20 years, I've been doing a letter-writing campaign. It used to be real letters, and I'd put uh, self-addressed stamped envelopes in there just asking for donations. That would, again, go to a myeloma organization. These days, I do it all by email, and my list of folks that I ask has grown because those folks are really good at kind of expanding my list. These started off with friends and business associates and now have grown to be people I don't know anymore, but make sure that I ask them. And I typically raise in the neighborhood of forty-five dollars or $60,000 each year. That's really incredible. It's a lot of work. The IMF is really helpful in building a website for me and for that individual to make a donation. And it's quite successful, I think. So those have been my different fundraising avenues. We definitely appreciate it. And I think other patients hearing about it might be inspired to do something similar. Another way that you've been involved with the IMF is every year for the past several years, you've attended the American Society of Hematology or ASH annual conference, which is an international conference that brings together leading researchers of hematological malignancies. That's hard to say. Say that in one take. Hematological malignancies. And while you're there, you blog and you tweet and you share the patient perspective of the latest 
research on myeloma that comes out of this conference. So we invite you and you come back every year. What excites you about attending ASH every year? Why is it that you like to go and um, what do you get out of the conference? So I always leave this four-day ASH meeting incredibly inspired by all of the new treatments being tested. When I was diagnosed, as I mentioned earlier, there were only two treatments. The good news today is that just in the last 10 or 15 years, there have been a dozen new treatments. The bad news, though, is that there's lots of treatments. How do I know which is best for me? So from ASH, I always gain a better understanding of the newest treatments that are out there, how patients are responding to them within clinical trials, what the side effects are from those treatments, because they're seems to be no free drug out there. You always It comes with different side effects that vary from patient to patient, but the benefit of doing these trials is the doctors also come away with better understanding of how to manage the side effect profile of those treatments. I also thoroughly enjoy seeing some of my other patient friends that the IMF bring to ASH. We've known, some of us have known each other now for 15 or 20 years, and it's just good seeing those folks, as well as the doctors that I've met both doctors that I've gotten to interview over different times, and I get to renew a friendship with at Ash when I see them face-to-face. This year, it was done virtually, and it still worked out pretty well. I mean, one of the nice things about Ash is it can be awfully difficult to understand some of the presentations, but this year being virtually, they were typically recorded, and you could repeat them and play them again to better understand it. And then I create a seven or eight-page document, essentially my takeaways from Ash, and these are takeaways with a patient perspective and what's coming around the corner for patients, as opposed to stuff that you know is still in the lab and then the test tube. I try to present that to my own support group and share that right up with other support group leaders around the country. So ASH is a really wonderful event for me, and I look forward to it every year and hope to continue to be invited. Yeah, and I know a lot of people get a lot out of your blogs. We get a lot of traffic on the website specifically to your blogs and also people commenting and engaging with you there. A little different note, in your 26 years of living with myeloma, what would you say is some of the most surprising things you've learned about yourself or others in your life? You know, I think for me, the 26 years of living with myeloma and what I've learned about myself are really kind of dependent on the stage of diagnosis in my life. You know, when I was newly diagnosed, one of the most important things I learned was that I wasn't alone, that other people had this disease. I certainly had never heard of it when I was diagnosed. I think as I became more involved and learned all the work that goes into developing and completing clinical trials and such, I learned just everything that's behind getting more treatments out there. I've also learned as a result of having this disease for many years, how many kind myeloma expert doctors are out there. And as well as, as I mentioned earlier, how many close myeloma friends I've made throughout the year, throughout the U.S. and the world. But sadly, I've lost a lot of those friends as well. You know, I think like every other patient will say, I've been reminded, maybe that's the best way, of how important family and friends are to me. When I was originally diagnosed in 95, I remember thinking that I hope to survive five years because then I would at least double the amount of time that doctors told me I would survive. I would live to the year 2000 and see my daughters graduate from high school, and I would see if the world really would crash in the year 2000 as we entered the new millennium and and apparently everything was going to go haywire and it fortunately didn't. 
as I lived longer, I set new goals for myself. I, you know, I'm able to walk those daughters down the wedding aisle and see my son graduate from college and he conducts now high school orchestras and such. And I've gotten to bounce those grandkids on my lap. You set those longer goals that were really important for me to be able to get through as I uh, had this disease for a long time. It sounds like a lot of adaptability. And as you know, March is Myeloma Action Month. And once again, the IMF for Myeloma Action Month is focusing on the theme of resilience. And it's also about adaptability or the capacity to adapt to challenges. And just talking to you, seeing how much of an advocate you've been, a fundraiser, an educator, you're obviously a very resilient person and resilient patient. What do you think you can offer to someone who may not have that same inner fortitude to be resilient on a daily basis, who may be struggling to find hope, especially during these times when we're in the pandemic? What would you offer to those patients who are struggling a little bit and are having a hard time being as resilient as you might be? Well, resilience for me means encouragement with hope. And hope for me comes with knowledge and knowledge from education. I remember one of the first myeloma patients I ever met. He told me that having myeloma was like being a frog on a lily pad. At some point, you knew the lily pad was going to give out, but the frog had already eyed the next lily pad to which it then jumps to. For myeloma patients, treatments are like lily pads. They don't work forever and they typically give out. But given that there are so many new medications out there and combinations of medications, gives us a better chance to manage our disease for a long time. I sincerely believe when one of my friends always says that knowledge might be the best medicine of all. So that advice really, again, for me, comes down to learn all you can about myeloma. I know that the IMF has the 31 days of Myeloma Action Month. It has easy things you can do during those 31 days, but it also has myeloma facts that you can learn, one new fact each of those 31 days. And I would encourage myeloma patients to do both of those. Well, thank you, Jack. And I think one final question I have for you, I'm just kind of curious, is how are you handling the pandemic? How has it been for you? I mean, just on a human level, everybody out there is coping in a different way. How are things for you? Oh, I think like most, we've certainly been homebound. I'm in San Jose, California. We don't get out much. And in particular, we miss seeing the grandkids who live typically quite away from us up in Seattle and Virginia and down in LA, your way. We've just gotten our first shots and then we're scheduled to get our second shot. And we hope to be able to resume some of the travel, both for my advocacy work as well as to visit those grandkids in the next few months. I, when my wife asked me, when do you think we can go visit? I said, well, summer should be okay. And I think her response was, April sounds better. <laughs> so uh, we'll have discussions in that. And we'll tell us everyone when we get back together. One thing that we had always done well before the virus started. And for many years, every Sunday morning, we've been doing Zoom with our grandkids and their parents and uh, have continued to do that. So we get to see them virtually every weekend, but uh, it'll be fun to give the kids a hug again. That sounds wonderful. And we wish you the best of luck. And maybe with being vaccinated, that will be just right around the corner for you. So thank you so much, Jack, today for participating in this interview. And we really hope it inspires our listeners as well. This has been A Day in the Life with Jack Aiello, brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. For information on multiple myeloma and other patient stories, visit myeloma.org. 